We find that. We've perhaps observed these things too. The bonus was not only the gift, the gift helping those who had needs, supplying the physical needs to others, but also because of the abounding and thanksgiving, many prayers were lifted up. So as the saints in Jerusalem received the offering, they would be giving praise to God for the saints in in Galatia, Macedonia, Acacia, Corinth, as we're talking about today. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a message called Cheerful Givers. Everybody smile. It's a happy message that we're going to look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to see in verses 1 through 5, generosity, not grudging obligation. Verses 6 through 9, sowing and reaping. Verses 10 through 15, thanksgiving and prayers. In all sufficiency, verses 8 and 9, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he that disperses abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. As it is written, quoting from Psalm 112, verse 9, he who disperses abroad, you're just serving the Lord through offering, through giving to missionary works abroad, uh, literally today throughout the whole world through missions, or here locally in our churches. Paul had this confidence that God would make his grace abound toward the Corinthians, that they, being sufficient in all things, would have an abundance for every good work, that God would supply our every need. Being sufficient in all things reminds us of the six graces that we looked at last week. Remember, I talked about the six-cylinder engine of faith. Paul had already commended them of having the grace of faith, of speech, of knowledge, of diligence, and love. And I had kind of tied it this way, saying, Paul was saying to them, thinking of a six-cylinder engine, you guys are already firing on five cylinders, but I would like you to get the number six-cylinder going here now, that of giving, the grace of giving. He said, I want you to have this grace as well. The grace he was talking about was giving. He called all of them grace. He called faith, speech, knowledge, diligent love, and giving that they were all graces that we can have in our lives. So according to Psalm 112, verse 9, 
A believer is a giving person who disperses abroad, gives to the poor. Therefore, the believer's grace of joy, joyful giving, results in the, that righteousness, according to the psalmist, enduring forever on into eternity. So Paul desires us to discover this graceful joy of giving. And finally, verses 10 through 15, in thanksgiving and prayers, we close out in verses 10 and 11 first. We find and discover the fruits of righteousness. He says, Now may he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. We know that he who supplies seed for the sower is God. It has always been the case. Ever since God created the heavens and the earth, God has provided for the heavens and the earth. He has made provision. He's the one that causes it to rain. As it says, and this is really cool, because he is quoting from Isaiah 55.10 here, and we are very familiar with Isaiah 55.11. When I read verse 11, you'll say, oh yeah, I know that verse. In fact, Pastor John quotes it often. But it's actually one sentence, Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11, all fit as one sentence, one thing. And here's how it reads. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void to me, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. We're very familiar with the second half of this sentence. God's saying, so shall my word be. But God is saying, just as it snows and rains, and it has always done this on the earth. God said, as I brought provision, seed for the sower and bread for the eater, as I continue to provide for this earth, so shall my word be. It shall not return void to me. What God has spoke, he will do. He will fulfill and this is something that we can trust in. This truth is seen by God's provision over this earth, but also speaks about every prophetic word being fulfilled that he has uttered. We can be assured that it will be accomplished. And thus Paul prays for the Corinthians provision that those things in which they had sown, he said that they would have this increase in the fruits of their righteousness. They had sown, and he prays that they would increase in fruits of righteousness. Philippians 1.11, he said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, the fruits of righteousness. Also, to be enriched in them, in everything for all liberality, in everything, that they're able to liberally share with others this bountifulness, that they're able to share with others. And again, Romans 12, 6 through 8, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, 
We all have different gifts. God has given us talents. He's made us different. Some people's minds, I, I was mentioning this in Josiah last Sunday, totally took apart one of these pens and put it back together again. I'm sure he had done it before because he wanted to show us that he could do it. And I was talking to Lily yesterday saying, he really has a mechanical mind. He wants to see how things work. Some people use a pen. It's like, yeah, I know how it works. You click it and you write. Now, he pulled every part apart and then reassembled it together. He wanted to see how it actually worked. Some people have mechanical minds. I have that type of mind. I had to break into one of our doors here at the church today. I know how a lock works because I've installed locks. I've taken them apart before. I could not successfully get in, so I broke in, and we're in now. The lock is broken, but we're in. <laughs> but I was able to break in because I knew what I needed to do to get in, and you know the key wasn't working, so we made it work. In fact, the key was stuck, and it wouldn't even come out. So in all liberality, in a sense, in the bountifulness that you just know these gifts, these graces that's been given to us, then the Lord graces you with a gift. If it's a mechanical mind, then use that mind for the glory of God. If it's writing, then write for the glory of God. If it's singing, then sing for the glory of God. It's the ministry of helps, then help for the glory of God. Whatever that gift might be, then use it. He said, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of our faith or ministry. Let us use it in, the, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul also said it caused Paul, his missionary team, to lift up thanksgiving toward God because of them, because of their gift. 2 Corinthians 4.15 For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. My son and I delivered a couch to somebody that needed a couch. It was a used couch. It wasn't a new couch. Someone in Lake County didn't want their couch anymore. They bought a new one. So we ended up with the couch, and we were able to give it to someone who had need. She cried because she was so thankful. And she said, I am so blessed. And she thanked Jesus for a couch. But it was because of the gifts given. It, it caused thanksgiving to be lifted up toward the Lord. And that's what our giving does. That we should result in these thankful hearts that are spread to the many that abound to the glory of God. And in verses 12 through 14, almost done. For the administration, talking about the gift, the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also as abounding through many thanksgivings to God, thanksgivings, plural, while 
through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. The church there in Jerusalem would have a longing to see the Corinthians. They long for you because of your generous gift given toward you. And we find that. We've perhaps observed these things too. The bonus was not only the gift, the gift helping those who had needs, supplying the physical needs to others, but also because of the abounding and thanksgiving, many prayers were lifted up. So as the saints in Jerusalem received the offering, they would be giving praise to God for the saints in in Galatia, Macedonia, Acacia, Corinth, as we're talking about today. And so believers working together. One time, again, I was out helping deliver need. Somebody had need, and, and the person I was delivering to, um, it was at a time when Lily was dealing with breast cancer. We had a lot going on at that time in our life. But I delivered, and this person is like, I'm bound to this house. I can't do anything to serve the Lord. I said, you can pray. And I said, right now, I could use prayers for my wife, Lily, and I just asked this person to pray. That even if you're stuck in a house, you can lift up the needs of others. You can pray. And that's what Paul is saying, that because of the gifts that were given, then they pray I'm learning. I've had four shoulder surgeries, one minor back surgery. In fact, I was technically 30% disabled in my back. Back does a lot better than it used to do, but as far as masonry is concerned, I am not going to lay brick or not a lot of brick anymore like I used to. It's just not going to happen. But I'm also learning that there's a lot of things this old guy can't do like he used to do. And it's time for the younger ones to start working, you know, and teach them, train them, uh, find those 20-somethings, those teenagers, those 30-somethings, and 40-somethings, and let's, let's get them going in serving the Lord. And those who can't any longer can teach. That's how it goes. I'm becoming one of those, I can't, so I need to teach. But we can help others working together and those who can't teach, those who can't do the work, they can pray. Philippians four eighteen and 19, Indeed, I have all and abound, Paul says. I am full, having received from Epiph... <laughs> One of those hard names that I wasn't ready to say. Having received from this guy that I'm not going to try to say his name now. The things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul says, I abound. And he just called them a sweet-smelling aroma. He saw them as an acceptable sacrifice, that they were well-pleasing to God. He says, these are riches to the glory of God. So the saints in Jerusalem not only prayed for the saints in Corinth, but longed to see them because of God's great grace that had been imparted toward them from the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1.11 You also helping together in prayer for us 
that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. We help, we work together. But Paul closes out this whole thing and he talks about his indescribable gift. And the his here is Jesus Christ, the greatest gift given. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God the Father who gave his only begotten son. Although the gift from the Macedonians, the Galatians, the Corinthians, the churches were a display of this great grace of joyful giving. These were wonderful gifts. The most indescribable gift has come from God through the giving of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. John 3.16, you guys know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift given has come from God the Father. And the gift that was given was his son, who became a sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this is love. The love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Fancy word that simply means to be a covering for our sins. That Jesus Christ becomes that covering for our sins. And we must, if we've obtained this indescribable gift through faith in Jesus Christ, then we must share that gift with others. Last week, I closed the message by talking about a couple of personal testimonies about giving in my life and then in uh, Lily and myself and how we have learned about giving to the Lord's work in our own lives. But today I want to share, as a closeout, I want to share my mom and dad's story with you. I was curious. Um, my mom was on hospice care. She would live in our home for around 12 weeks at the toward the end of her life. And for several of these weeks, she was able to communicate and talk. And I did my best to glean as much information out of mom that I could possibly gain. And mom didn't like to tell a lot of stories. So I really had to prod these things out of her. But this was not a difficult story for her to tell. I asked her, when did you guys start tithing, giving to the church? And she said, it was the year after dad. So when I say dad, I'm talking about my dad, my mom. It was the year after dad had had the heart surgery. It was about 1966, 67. And uh, he was six months in the hospital. He had a stroke. They replaced the valve. Today, they might even send you home the same day. Probably not. But it's like that good today. Back then, he was gone for six months. Back then, kids couldn't visit if you were under the age of 12. So I didn't see my dad for six months. It was terrible. In fact, I didn't even see him leave. He had the stroke at night while I was sleeping. And all that happened, the ambulance came, and he was just gone the next day. But after he returned, he was able to retain a job where he had worked at a factory in Waukegan, but he had to take a less strenuous job. 
So that meant his pay went from 100 bucks a week, today that again, 1960s, 100 bucks a week, to $75 a week. He went from manual labor to sitting at a desk, so he took a 25% cut in pay. It was at that time that dad told mom, I think the Lord wants us to start giving to the church. Now you have to understand my mom, she was very frugal all her life. And uh, I remember one of the brick masons I was working with once talking about, we talk about a lot of things when we're laying brick, just passing the time as you're putting a thousand brick in a day. You gotta talk, you gotta chat. And uh, he was talking about his favorite meat being a pork chop. I was like, pork chop? You mean those like quarter inch thick, cooked to death things that you have to eat with ketchup just to have some kind of juice on them? And no, he meant pork chop, like two inch thick. I know how to make those today and they are very good. But that's not what I grew up with. We ate, we were, always had food, but mom was frugal. And yet, dad took a 25% cut in pay. He went from 100 bucks a week to 75 bucks a week. And he says, I want to start giving 10% of my income to the Lord. I can only imagine the conversation that mom and dad had. But what they decided was, let's give it a year. And my mom looked at me and she said, and we have never stopped giving to the Lord since. She was just blessed. They, you know, the Lord says, try me in this. It's the only time the Lord ever says to test me in this thing. It's talking about giving. Try me in this thing and, and see if I will not pour out blessings upon you, pressed down and shaken together, meaning that, you know, the basket is just shook up and you get everything in there. It's the only time in all of Scripture that God says, test me on this one. And they did. And they continued to do that, to serve the Lord in giving. They learned hilarious giving in the right mindset. The joy, the grace of joyful giving. Malachi 3.10 reminds us, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may, may be food in my house. Try me in this. Remember, test me. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. It's something that I have chose to do since I told you last week, since I was 17 years old. And from the world's standard, I'm probably a pretty wealthy person. From the world's standard, in the United States, probably not so much, but wealthier than some and not wealthier than others. It's just how it is. But I can tell you that the Lord has provided. He's provided for all of our needs. And in the process of all that, we've been able to help provide for the work of the church. Today in this message, Cheerful Givers in 2 Corinthians 9, we've learned that it's supposed to be out of generosity, not grudging obligation. And it may be the grace of giving that it would come from hearts of worship. We also looked at the sowing and reaping. And Paul desires us to discover this grace of joyful giving, that which we sow. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, well, then God will cause us to reap bountifully. Thanksgiving and prayers. Bottom line, verse 15, 
the most indescribable gift has come from God. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have opportunity to share in the greatest gift that has ever been given. Salvation through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word this day. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a blessing to us. Help us, Lord, to maybe we've been on the receiving end of joyful giving. And Lord, help us to have hearts of thanksgiving uh, for those who have given gifts to help supply our needs. Lord, Lily and I have been in those situations, and we are grateful, Lord, for those times. Lord, perhaps we're on the other side where we're able to supply the needs of others. And Lord, let it not be prideful. Let it be, Lord, that cheerful giving, that blessed state of mind that you give us to help in your work. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the greatest gift ever given was from our Father, and which is you, our Savior Jesus. Your death, burial, and resurrection, when you paid the price of our sin. Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would come to that saving knowledge this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.